Today's Bible reading comes from Luke chapter 8, verses 4 to 21. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside, desiring to see you. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. This is God's word. Great to be with you again. My name's Devin. I'm one of the pastors here at Cross Culture. Um, and today we're, we're continuing our series um, in the book of Luke, uh, where we're surveying God's plan for the world that, that centers on this person, Jesus. Um, and as a church, our plan is the same. It's, it's to build um, our individual and community life around this person, Jesus. And so our mission as a church is to know Christ, to grow in Christ and proclaim Christ. Um, so if you have your Bibles, um, keep them open to Luke chapter 8. Um, and if you, if you have any questions, you feel free to um, text them in as well, and the, the number for any questions that you have will be on the slides. So how about we pray as we begin? Heavenly Father, please give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear your word this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. How do you know who your true friends are? Uh, the rise of social media has made this harder to evaluate. Uh, through social media, we have more friends than ever. And we can quantify these friends by the number of friends or followers we have on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, or LinkedIn. So if you jumped on social media right now um, and checked how many friends you have, you'd be able to assign a number. 
but how many of these would you regard as true friends? Uh, I checked Facebook last night and I have 1,441 friends. Pretty popular, right? <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> but I know that's nowhere near to what some of you have as well. But, and to be honest, you know, I'll just accept anyone as long as um, it boosts my stats and increases my friend count to make me feel a bit better about myself. But you see, how do you work out, out of all your 1,441 friends, how do you work out who are your real friends and who are not? Um, I have a few suggestions. First test of friendship, I call it the, can you drive me to the airport tomorrow at 6 a.m. test? Who would you call and then ask them to take you to the airport at 6 a.m. tomorrow? Who, who would do that for you? And you know the clever thing about this test is no one can say they're not free, right? Because it's 6 a.m. in the morning, it's very, very good. But still you might find people coming up with all the excuses in the world. Uh, here's another one. Um, I call it the, I'm moving house on Saturday, can you help test. Who would come and, and physically help you move all your stuff into your new home uh, when you really needed them. Now, I think these are two pretty good ways to tell who your true friends are. Because uh, in chapter 8, as, as Jesus continues through the towns and the villages, bringing good news, healing the sick, raising sick people from the dead, a huge crowd starts to follow him. You see, through these miracles, Luke is building a case for the identity of Jesus, that you would have certainty that he is God. So at this point right now, Jesus is at the height of his popularity. His, his Facebook friend count is, is piling up. His, his Instagram followers are surging. They want to hear him teach. They want to see miracles. They want to experience something of his power. But Jesus isn't that impressed by numbers. Uh, often he sees crowds and withdraws from them. He knows uh, many have come genuinely to hear His Word and follow Him, but also He knows many have come with just a surface-level curiosity of who He is and have come simply just to sample what He has to say. So how will Jesus work out who are His real followers and who are not? Well, you see, Jesus' friendship test is a parable. This parable will mark a major turning point in Jesus' ministry because up to this point, he's spoken very clearly and plainly about things. So what Jesus will do next will divide this crowd. Jesus' parables are often um, being described as earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. And while there's an element of truth to this, uh, we'll see today that through these parables, Jesus is doing much more than just giving a nice story about what the kingdom of God is like. No, through this parable, He will expose in the crowd and in us whether we are fake or genuine followers of Jesus. Through this parable, Jesus will expose the reality of our hearts. So let's start with looking at the parable itself. Because I want you to imagine you're, you're one person in this crowd, you're, you're waiting for Jesus to speak, you've, you've travelled miles to see Jesus in your sandals, your, your, your Birkenstocks, 
you've waited for hours to just get a good view of him up near the front, you're eagerly waiting for him to teach and to heal, to raise the dead. And when Jesus opens his mouth finally, this is what you get. From verse 5, a sower went out to sow his seed, and, and as he sowed, some fell among the path, which was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell among the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. Some fell among the thorns, the thorns grew up with it and choked it. Some fell into the good soil and grew and yielded a, a hundredfold. And as you stand in the crowd hearing that, you might be thinking, that's what I've waited hours to see, that's what I've waited hours to hear. You see, it's, it's hard for us to imagine what it would have been like that day because for many of us, we've already heard the ending. So when we come across this parable, we have already connected all the dots. But for the crowd that day, they are hearing this for the first time. I wonder what um, you would have thought as you heard this parable for the first time. Maybe you're thinking, you know, maybe they're thinking this Story is about a pretty average farmer who can't even throw seed on the ground. Isn't he looking where he, what he's doing? It's not very good. And look, of all people, I have, should have absolutely no idea what this parable is about. I don't have a gardening bone in my body. Um, everything I plant dies. Uh, the one time that I've, 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 I successfully resurrected a plant when mum went away and she said, look after the garden. Um, I brought this plant back to life with, with love and care only to find out it was a weed uh, that mum had been trying to kill for the last two months, and now I'd made her life really difficult. So I have no idea, but, but even to the crowd and his disciples, no, this parable makes no sense. Remember, this is probably the biggest crowd Jesus has ever had. Surely if there's a time to nail a sermon, this would be the time. Surely you give your biggest crowd your best. Jesus says in verse 8, he who has his ears to hear, let him hear. Listen carefully, he says, because your response to this parable will mean everything. But why so cryptic? Why would Jesus tell this strange parable and then call his audience to listen very carefully? It's why we need to understand the purpose of this parable. Uh, naturally, in verse 9, his, his disciples come up to him, asking, what on earth just happened? What does this parable mean? And so, Jesus responds in an odd way. He, he says in verse 10, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. It's those two words, so that. Jesus shows us the purpose of his parables. But it's, it's not a purpose you might be used to hearing. Um, traditionally, we, we, we understand parables as stories or, or relatable illustrations about what God's kingdom is like. But that's only half the story. Because Jesus says, the purpose of my parables is to divide the purpose of this parable is his friendship test, where he distinguishes his true followers from his fake followers. He says that for his disciples, parables reveal the kingdom of God, but to those on the outside, parables conceal 
the kingdom of God. Jesus uses parables to reveal and conceal the truth. Why would he do this? Why would Jesus conceal the truth to those on the outside? Notice in verse 10, as Jesus quotes from Isaiah chapter 6, and in Isaiah 6, the Lord outlines Isaiah's mission as a prophet to his people Israel. And this mission is surprising. Uh, God says in, 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 in verse 9, He says, Isaiah, go and say to these people, keep on hearing, do not understand, keep on seeing, do not perceive, make the heart of this people dull, their, their eyes heavy, their, blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand in their hearts and turn and be healed." You'd think Isaiah was sent to Israel to proclaim just salvation and good news, but no. Isaiah's mission is also to proclaim judgment. Judgment on those who had hardened their hearts against him, who had forsaken God to worship other gods, who had disobeyed his laws and oppressed the vulnerable. No, Isaiah's mission is to go to people with hard hearts, and preach a message of judgment that they would fail to understand and respond to. Do you see what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying that His mission is similar. Jesus would bring a message of salvation, but also a message of judgment on those who have hardened their hearts against Him and refused to believe the truth. Jesus' parable is simultaneously a grace and a judgment that exposes who is truly a follower of Jesus. This is his friendship test. So that day, while his true disciples, his true followers, pursue Jesus and ask him what it meant, the rest of the crowd would hear it, walk away confused, and are confirmed in their unbelief. Now, it's really, really important for us to know that Jesus isn't preventing understanding for people genuinely seeking Him, for people genuinely wanting to come to Him by faith. He's not stopping them. No, through this parable, Jesus is exposing what is already the case, that many in the crowd have not come genuinely to follow Him, that many hearts are already hardened against Him, many have already refused to come to Him and be saved. So after this parable, it will be abundantly clear who are his true friends and who are not. That's the purpose of this parable. So what does it all mean? What will actually be revealed to his disciples? Well, Jesus tells us in verse 11. He says, firstly, the seed is the Word of God. The, the seed is the gospel that Jesus has been preaching from the beginning, that he's the Saviour come to save and rescue us from our sins, to bring forgiveness and restoration. It's the same good news that we hear today. And then he'll go on to describe in verses 12 to 15, the different types of people on which the gospel falls. But notice that the focus of the parable is not on the sower, it's not on the seed, it's on the soil. And this is really important, because if you look at all the different types of ground, what do they all have in common? They all hear the Word of God. You see, 
this parable is about hearing. It's about responding to God's Word. And for Jesus, how you hear, how you respond to God's Word will divide His true followers from His fake followers. So let's go through them in, in verse 12. Um, the one among, along the path are those who have heard... Uh, The devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. Do you ever wonder why uh, some people just don't care when you you share about Jesus? You know, you're excited to share the gospel with them, uh, to share your testimony, share about how your life has changed, how the gospel sustains you through the hardest times of your life, and their response is, oh, that's nice. Yeah, good for you. They probably don't say it like that but you get the drift. They have absolutely no interest. And you're like, no way, like, like this would actually change your life. Don't you want to hear it? But you find that they have absolutely no interest at all. Why? It's, it's, it's because immediately the word is taken away from their hearts. See, the problem isn't necessarily the preaching. The problem isn't necessarily necessarily the sharing, the problem is the heart. The problem is their hearts are hard and shut off from God, so you never had a chance in the first place. Or maybe these are people who come to church, but they have absolutely no interest in being there. Um, You might shuffle in um, consistently half an hour late, sit up the back uh, with your phones and you're just texting the whole time. Um, they hear Jesus' words, but the devil takes it away. They, they make no effort to engage, just keep texting on your phones and walk away. Don't worry, I know some of you are looking at the Bible on your phone, so don't, don't freak out. But the next type of soil is in verse 13. Um, those on the rocky ground are the ones who, uh, when they heard the word, they receive it with joy. Uh, but they have no root. Uh, So they believe for a while, and then in times of testing, they fall away. These are people who start well, but don't seem to last. That's why in church you'll see lots of people start well with with enthusiasm and passion, but it doesn't last. When, when, When things get difficult, you don't see them anymore. I think one of the things COVID has done for many churches is that it's exposed the foundations of our faith. Uh, Lockdown has put up so many barriers, barriers to meeting together, barriers to hearing and sharing God's Word in person. And you might find after two years of COVID, after two years of this, there are some people you just don't see anymore. There might be some people with the adversity of the last two years, they've found it too hard to continue persevering in their faith. And it's really painful when you see people so committed uh, become less committed and eventually fall away. Jesus tells us why it's the case. It's because soil on rocky ground has no root. After hearing Jesus for a while, yes, but ultimately they fall away when things get hard. These are people with a shallow heart. 
So for those of you here that, that might be newer to the faith or have recently come to Christ or become Christians, the most important step you can take right now is to grow deep roots, is to grow firm foundations in your faith. So we encourage you, get a part of a, a supportive life group, build in healthy disciplines of, of reading the Bible and prayer, seek out a mentor that can help you through the ups and downs of life, and just start obeying God in the little things, which will make it easier to obey God in the big things in the future. Remember this, more important than how you begin the Christian life is how you end the Christian life. There's no point beginning well if you don't end well. So the time to prepare is now. It's not just the hard things in life that can cause someone to fall away, it's also the good things. Uh, the third type of soil is the one amongst the thorns in verse 14. Uh, for the seed that fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on, they're choked out by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. I'm sure many of you can relate. Um, I became a Christian uh, when I was at uni, and, and what I found that it was easier for me to be a Christian then. Um, sure, I had no money, but I had heaps of time, um, heaps of time to pour into Christian community. Uh, and then I started full-time work, and yeah, more money, but no time and no energy. Uh, and then I suspect as some of you get married, um, that'll add even more things to your plate. Then if you have a family, you have kids, even more pressure, stress, school, finances, house. And before you realize it, suddenly all these other things are competing for your affections. These things are competing for your time, your, your attention, and then what about following Jesus and, and putting Him first? Often you see that it's when good things happen to people, when great jobs come your way, holidays, marriage, family, relationships, with these good things, you can start to fall away from God's Word, from community, and, and fall away from church altogether. It's telling, isn't it, that Jesus describes these good things as thorns. Because when good things become God things, they, they will tear your faith apart. You might have this attitude in life, and I've, I've, it's one I've had in the past as well. Your attitude might be, you know, I'm really busy right now, but once I get through this season of my life, then I'll really be able to devote myself to God. Once I get past this study or, or stressful time at work or this busy period in my marriage or family, then I'll serve God and follow Him properly. But that's not how it works. Because Jesus says that the problem isn't time. The problem isn't a particular season of life. No, the problem is the heart. The problem is a divided heart that would rather devote itself to other things rather than follow Jesus and obey His Word. And finally, there's the good soil. Verse 15 says that the seed on good soil are those who hear and hearing the word hold it fast with an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. 
I want you to notice the mark of a true believer is patience and perseverance in hearing and obeying God's Word. And so we need to get out of our heads this this glamorous view of Christianity because you see what's so deceptive about the soils is the two soils before this might even look more like Christians than the good soil. They're the ones that might look more passionate, um, they might look more outwardly excited than the other types, than the good soil. But with this good soil, what looks like humble beginnings will just grow and grow and grow. It'll be faith that perseveres through the bad things and the good things. And with this good soil, um, Jesus' true disciples in verse 16, they are the ones that are entrusted with the gospel to, to spread it and be sowers of the seed themselves, so more would enter the kingdom of God. No, the mark of a true believer isn't necessarily the most vocal or outspoken or outwardly passionate. The mark of a true Christian is a good heart, which means simple obedience to God's Word in in the everyday ups and downs of life that continues trusting Him in the hard things, that doesn't get distracted by the good things. As you look through all the different types of soil, you'll see the real issue is that key word in verse 12 and verse 15. It's the heart. It's a hard heart that receives Jesus' words but rejects it. It's a shallow heart or a divided heart that starts well but eventually falls away. Or it's a good heart that perseveres in obedience and ends up flourishing. See, ultimately how you work out whether you are a true follower or not, how you work out the true state of your heart is how you hear. The test is your response to God's Word. Not that our obedience saves us, but our obedience reveals where our true allegiance lies. That's why in verse 21, Jesus says, My mothers and brothers, those who truly are in my family, are those who hear the Word of God and do it. Because just as a crowd formed in Jesus' day, as we sit together here right now, we too are a crowd. And in this room might be very different kinds of soil. And just like the people then, we need to assess what soil we are now. And that includes me. So as you look back on your life so far, what soil would you say honestly would characterize your life? Do you see in yourself a hard heart, a a shallow heart, a divided heart, or a good heart? For the crowd that day, they witnessed the most cryptic sermon you would ever hear. But for us, though we too are a crowd, we need to realize we have it so much better than them. Because not only do we have this parable, we have seen the parable revealed. To you, Jesus says, has been given the secrets of the kingdom of God. In Jesus, God has given us complete access to salvation. For us here today, Jesus is fully revealed. We've seen His miracles. You have His words. You've seen the culmination of His love as He goes to the cross to die for our sins and is raised again for our new life. 
He does these things so that our eyes would be opened to break through the hardness of our hearts and so we can turn to Him and be saved. No, Jesus says to us, not just to identify what soil we are, but He says this to us so we would actually change, so we would become good soil. The purpose of this parable is to become good soil. Jesus, in His kindness, speaks hard words to us to reveal the state of our hearts so that by the power of His Spirit, our eyes would be opened, our hearts would be changed to become good soil. We have no idea how good we have it. We have in our fingertips, we have access to the plan of God revealed. We have the culmination we've seen in His death and resurrection for us. We have it all. We have access to the Word that people across many parts of the world would long to have, and they don't have it. So how much more now is it on us to do something with it? So Jesus says to us today, be careful how you hear. Take care not just to hear the word, but to do something about it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, Lord, we are humbled by um, your words to us, um, to expose in us the reality of our hearts. Lord, we come to you now admitting our hearts are hard, are shallow, are divided, and we need your help to become good soil. Please help us by your Spirit to open our eyes to understand, um, to break through the hardness of our hearts so that we can turn to you and be saved. We thank you for Jesus who has made this all possible through his death and resurrection. And it's his name we pray. Amen.